When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we're all realizing that the quality of our air, and particularly the quality of our indoor air, is really darn important. I'm so excited to tell you about Puro Air because in 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called a HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. I keep my Puro Air running upstairs where the bedrooms are all night. I love that it's quiet. Cleaner air just hits different, doesn't it? Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time for the people in the back, getpuroair.com. Well, hello and welcome back. My name is Stephanie Severian and you are listening to episode 174 of the Sustainable Minimalist Podcast. I am quite fortunate as a podcast host, and that is because you listeners write to me all the time. And the parents listening, you in particular write to me, you say over and over again, so different voices, different people, but the same sentiment, which is that the two biggest barriers you face when it comes to eco-friendly parenting is time and money. So today I wanted to dedicate an entire episode to all of you, to those parents who want to do better, but don't want to completely upend their lives doing so. Quick disclaimer here, this episode is about doing better. It's not about being perfect. So for those of you listening who have been on the environmentally friendly journey for a while, this might not be the episode for you. I still love you. I still hope you listen. But this is an episode specifically for parents who are just starting out on their journeys. And I believe it's important to support them because the more people we can bring into the sustainable minimalist movement means exponential growth of our collective efforts. Today, I am speaking with Stace Dixon and Taylor Shear, two women who work for Diaper, that's D-Y-P-E-R in all capital letters, (laughs) Diaper Market's Sustainable Plant-Based Diapers. And today I am speaking with Taylor and Stace about low-waste parenting strategies for those of us who find ourselves so overwhelmed by all those actions that we should be doing. Enjoy my conversation with Stace and Taylor. Stace and Taylor, I am so excited to have you both on the show to discuss low-waste parenting. How are you? Stace, we'll start with you. I'm great. Uh, Thank you so much for having us on the show. I'm really excited to be here and a big fan of yours. And congratulations on your book. That's so exciting. Thank you. Thank you so much. Taylor, tell my listeners who you are and what you do at Diaper. Yeah. Hi. It's so nice to meet you. We are so thrilled to be on the show. Um, My name is Taylor Shear. I have been with Sergio, who is our founder and CEO. I've been working 
with him for almost four years now. Um, And so for those of you who do not know who Sergio is, he's a serial tech entrepreneur. And he is, I would say, definitely passionate about the planet. Um, And he has two little kids of his own. Once they had kids, they were going through diapers like crazy, as all moms do. And he was rolling up these diapers, throwing them away and wondering, okay, where the heck do these go? And how do they get broken down? He realized soon after that, that it takes 400 to 500 years for them to break down. There's tons of chemicals in the diapers that are super unnecessary for the baby's skin. And we started diaper. Hmm. As an eco-conscious parent, I really love the re-diaper service that you offer. We'll talk about it later, but it's essentially the composting option that Diaper offers its subscribers. We'll get there. Stace, maybe now we can go on over to you and you can tell us who you are and what you do over at Diaper. Yes. Hi. So I'm Stace Dixon. I'm a digital marketing manager and a mom of a two and a half year old and a four month old. I'm super passionate about sustainable parenting at home, and that's how I became a customer of Diaper um, two and a half years ago. And actually, before Diaper, sustainable parenting, like it didn't really exist for me. There was no other option at the time that was convenient. I had every intention to use cloth. We ran into restrictions. Our childcare that we had chosen didn't allow cloth diapering. I thought I was doing good and buying certain products that I later found out were being greenwashed with like terms like natural, organic, you know, pure, made with cotton, all those buzzwords. Um, And then doing like a massive amount of research later, you know, you live and you learn, you find out that these brand isn't, you know, what you, (laughs) what you originally thought. When I found diaper, I was able to just learn more. And like, I had no idea that the EPA estimates that disposable diapers take up to 500 years to break down in the landfill. And there's 4.1 million tons of disposable diapers going in the landfill every year. And it's increasing at like an insanely amount of, um, of rate. And I was so relieved to be educated when I found diaper because I thought I was eco-friendly and thought I thought I was sustainable but it was just so alarming to find out everything I did when I when I met Diaper. I definitely hear what you're saying, Stace, when you're talking about how cloth isn't accessible for parents for a variety of reasons. Perhaps it's the upfront cost. Perhaps it's the convenience factor. But right off the bat, I'm just going to address the elephant in the room, which is that Diaper still creates a single-use disposable product. So what would you, Taylor, maybe we'll go to you for this one. What would you say to parents listening right now who are saying single-use disposable isn't eco-friendly no matter how you market it? So first off, um, I mean, everything that we throw away that goes into the landfill eventually, as as research shows, gets broken down. But some things are going to get broken down faster than others. If you do still throw away your diapers, I always say go the better route. That's you're throwing away a a diaper that will break down faster than the other diapers. If that's still not the best option that you feel, we do offer re-diaper. Basically, we provide the box and a shipping label and you put your dirty diapers in this box. When the box fills up, you print out the shipping label and USPS picks up the box we ship it to TerraCycle uh, for sorting, and then we um, 
actually just purchased. Um, we just acquired a biodegradable recycling company called Earth Baby. And that's where we do all of our composting. Our plastic content is 6%. And that's 80% less than other brands. Um, so we always believe that you reduce what you can, you offset what you can't. So for the remainder of plastic and the other content um, in the diapers, we purchase carbon offsets to offset that for the full life cycle. I would like to pivot and discuss all the other ways in which children create waste. I would definitely argue that, yes, the diapers are a big source of waste. When my first daughter was in diapers, we would go through 9, 10, 11 in a day, and that waste really does add up quite literally. But when we're talking about children and we're talking about low-waste parenting in particular, there's a lot of other different forms of waste. I'm thinking about food waste, which I still struggle with in my own house, food packaging waste. There's the junk toys, the plastic toys that break and then have nowhere to go except for the trash. So I'm wondering if we could maybe break down some of these other wasteful <laughs> aspects of parenting and hopefully provide some real tangible action steps for listeners so let's start with my biggest pain point, which is food waste. My children are older now. They're almost seven and four, and we are still creating an awful lot of waste when it comes to food. They'll eat half their plate. They'll say they're hungry and ask for more, and then all of a sudden they're full. When it comes to food waste, Stace, I know you have children, so talk to me. What tricks do you use in your own home that reduce the food waste brought on by the kids? So... Whenever I make my child a plate, like I've learned over time, I don't fill my plate as full so that I can clean up whatever she leaves on her plate. She generally eats what we do. That's why I just know there's always going to be something left. So I usually will eat what she doesn't or, you know, we have a dog. So although <laughs> although our dog has gained a hefty amount of weight lately from probably food leftovers, kidding aside though, if you have food scraps even just like a banana peel, obviously we're going to have those things left over, um, but also the food that they don't eat. If you have plants or a garden, like you can save your food scraps and teach yourself composting by doing an easy Google search. And I found that in most urban and suburban cities, most of them have um, some sort of composting service where they can drop off like a composting can for you to collect your food, or you can order from like even a retailer online. And if you do it at home, um, you can do it that way and find ways to repurpose it. If you live out in a rural community, um, you most likely have space for a garden and room to start like a compost pile. So that'd be a perfect opportunity for for someone like that. Hmm. I loved your suggestion of, you know, eating off your kids' plates. And I never, <laughs> you know, I just do that. And I don't even realize I'm doing it. I'm thinking back to breakfast this morning. I'm in a, the habit of feeding my kids their breakfast, laying it out, and waiting until they're done eating because my breakfast is <laughs> whatever they don't eat. That's just motherhood right there, eating the leftovers, you know, being the sweeper who comes in to clean up. But you're right. That is a really great tip, right? Don't be afraid to eat the leftovers, eat what's not eaten. And to your point about composting, I am amazed at how many composting services are out there now. It used to just be in cities where if you didn't want your compost, you could send it away. But even now in my sleepy community, the trash pickup companies are now offering composting services. So for anybody listening who 
We've talked about composting so many times on this podcast, but for anybody listening who just does not want to compost, but also doesn't want to throw out their food scraps, I would definitely encourage you to look into what resources are available in your community. Maybe you have curbside composting pickup. So thank you so much for mentioning that. Let's move on to the junk toys, which would be my second biggest pain point when it comes to waste and children. The plastic toys just somehow seem to, like, (laughs) I don't know where they come from. I try really hard to keep it all out, but it just makes its way in. So Stace, maybe you can talk to me about what the toy situation looks like in your house. Are you struggling with it as well? Uh, Yes. So I feel your pain there. Um, It's so funny because with registries early on with my two and a half year old, I remember registering, like I said, I want all like wooden natural element toys. Not only are they beautiful, but if you follow Montessori practices, they promote intuitive development. And so even though I asked for those, we have grandparents and aunts and uncles and things like that, that, you know, they grew up in plastic city. So you're still going to get those filtering in. So with, with our toys, I like to say gift or thrift. When people ask to give us things, I usually, I try to make recommendations of please do something that's like neutral and made from wood or like if it has Montessori in the title, something that's like fabric or recyclable materials or thrift. So I love Facebook Marketplace, like somehow kids still love, you know, like the bright bells and whistles toys, like Fisher Price toys, I think are like, you know, there's a reason that they're like the top selling toy. So For those times, like at our home, we have a mix of mostly it's wood-based or fabric, but then we have like the little tykes car and like outdoor toys are generally mostly plastic. And so we've thrifted a lot of those from Facebook Marketplace or um, secondhand stores that are local. Like I just feel like at the end of the day, if you're thrifting, at least, you know, you're taking something that would have otherwise maybe ended up in the trash. I haven't really gotten rid of anything yet because I had a second, but when we will be like, I'm hoping to find a solution of like giving it to someone who I know they're going to continue to pass it on um, or recycle it in the end. And just rather than maybe selling it, I'll just probably gift it and donate it um, once we're all done. I try to not purchase gifts. I try to just either they're gifted or I thrift them. Yeah, I think the try not to purchase is a really good tip, not just for toys, but also for clothes and gear and really anything. Try to see if you can acquire what you need by an alternative means. And I like what you said about passing on the stuff to somebody you know. I found in my life that, you know, I don't get attached to the toys so much, but the clothes, especially the super cute dresses that my girls wore as babies. Those things can be hard to let go of, especially if you're not planning on having more children who's going to wear this pretty dress or this cute sailor outfit or whatever it is. Passing these things on to somebody you know can really ease the pain of letting go of not of just of the stuff, but also of moving on from that phase of parenting. So yes, that helps me all the time. What do you do around clothes and shoes and those types of items? Because kids grow so fast, right? I'm always struggling with this in my own life. My kids grow fast, so I don't want to invest in nice stuff. 
I also don't want to invest in nice stuff because they're slobs <laughs> and they stain everything. They get holes in their knees after one wear. But thrifting might not always be what I want to do in terms of dressing them all the time. So what suggestions do you have in terms of clothes and even in terms of baby gear? Yeah, no, I'm the same way. Um, it's definitely more of a challenge than I would say than toys because they grow, I always say, faster than paint dries. The other day, our CEO, Sergio, said the most sustainable piece of clothing is the one you already own. And it's just not, that's not really practical for kids because they grow so fast. So I do the gift or thrift too. So like for Christmas presents, things like that, we'll ask for like clothes or pajamas and things like that. But again, they're purchased. And then thrifting, I I feel your pain there. You have to like search and search for finding something that's not super worn out. And depends on your accessibility and where you're located, if there even are, you know, many options there. Um, But I do because of the same reasons, because my kids, you know, they're in childcare and they play outside all the time. They're dirty and they get food all over their clothes. So I never, even if I wanted to invest in nice clothes, like there's really no reason because they're just going to ruin them. So I like, honestly, I buy everything on sale. And to me that... I know it's not the best, but in the in a sustainable way, like I'm buying something that wasn't going to be sold because it's on clearance, but that that's my way of like saving money and taking something, you know, that could have possibly been thrown away. Yeah, and, and clothing my children. <laughs> that's a interesting strategy there. On the one hand, you could definitely look at the clothes on the clearance rack and think oh, if I buy these, I'm saving them from the landfill. And that might be true. On the other hand, though, I wonder what it does to the market when we are continuing to support fast fashion with our dollars. I will say that you've definitely hit the nail on the head when it comes to the kids' clothes conundrum, right? Like for adults, we're always preaching slow fashion, buy quality or thrift quality, natural fibers, spend a little bit more money on the timeless piece if money isn't a factor for you. But with children, I don't know if that logic applies. And in fact, it doesn't apply in my house because I am not of the financial means to purchase the finest natural fibers for my seven-year-old, let's say, on the market. First, because she is a slob. I love you, seven-year-old, but you are a slob, and because you grow so fast, and because you're rough with your clothes. In my house, I can say, as of about two years ago, I started a little game with myself. (laughs) It's a game I play by myself, which is, how long can I go without buying my children new clothes? It was an experiment, and with the exception of one dress that I did buy my seven-year-old after she accomplished something really big in her life. She wanted a dress. I bought her a dress. With the exception of that one dress, I have not purchased a new piece of clothing for either daughter in just about two years. And that's because I use my Buy Nothing group. I have a bunch of friends with older kids who pass down their clothes to my children, and I welcome them with open arms. I thrift when I absolutely have to, but to be completely honest, I don't have to thrift all that much. And the grandparents love to buy clothes, right? Like grandparents love to buy clothes for their grandchildren. So between all those ways, I have not had to buy 
a piece of clothing for them. And I (laughs) am so excited about that. Maybe I can go another two years. I do think that when it comes to environmentally friendly parenting, sometimes it's not about being perfect. It's just about choosing the lesser of two evils. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. And I want to support the eco brands all day and I do with my own clothing. But yeah, for kids, I mean, I do see it as an investment and it is something that you, what's nicest when it is quality, you can wear it over and over. But when you need to set up like a wardrobe, when you need like multiple pieces and you don't want to wash them every day, then, you know, that can be really expensive when you're getting a top for a two-year-old that's $40 from, you know, your favorite eco brand on Etsy. So it's definitely a challenge and you got to, you got to balance it. There's a company called Romp and Tumble. They have rent a, uh, where you can rent a wardrobe for your kids. I'm really surprised and excited to see businesses like that. Um, but you can order pieces from like 15 to like 40 pieces for under $100 and they just ship them to you and then you send them back when you're done. So that's really innovative. Mm. I should also give a shout out here to Lauren Greger. She was a previous podcast guest who started Rent-A-Romper, which for anybody who didn't listen to that episode, is a rentable capsule wardrobe for your baby. She sends you everything you need. Once your child grows out, you send it back and she will send you, or Rent-A-Romper, excuse me, will send you the next size up. So a great, great way to... (laughs) get the clothing you need for your child and not buy new. I love that. All right. So I have one more pain area, waste related pain area. The final area that I want to talk to you about today is crafts and art supplies. And now I'm interested in how you do things in your house, Stace, because in my house, I'm pretty ruthless when it comes to the craft and art supplies. So tell me, how do you manage all the waste surrounding your older child? I know your younger child's probably not doing any art projects yet, but your older child's artistic endeavors. Okay. So I don't really honestly think we we haven't had waste yet because pre-kids, I had all this stuff like all this craft stuff, I did a DIY wedding. And I fortunately, I'm so glad I saved all of it because that's what I've been using. I haven't really had to buy anything um, when we do crafts and stuff because I have like a tons of felt stencils and I had all of these crayons that and like little clipboards that I brought to the wedding thinking that kids were going to like color and that never happened. So I was really fortunate. I've never bought crayons. I have like a hundred something. I don't know. So we use that. And then Yeah, we really haven't thrown away a lot. I've kept literally every single thing my daughter has colored. And it's um, I have just a bin full of paper. Um, And then we reuse it. So like she's two. She can barely color a circle. So I I totally understand as they get older, like there's going to be a point where I'm like, okay, I can't have like three tote bins full of paper. But I just – I have her just keep reusing the same paper, like even if she colored on it you know, two or three times, I just keep giving it back to her uh, to use so that we don't waste, waste it. And then we do have markers, but with like food coloring, things like that with like, for instance, Easter eggs, we use natural food dyes. So like you can use beets and things like that. Like you can grind things up to make color with water and it's like watercolors. 
Um, and then, or you can support like eco brands. Like I know there's like beeswax, uh, crayons and things like that. So the things that are a little less toxic to the earth. So if they do get thrown away, at least it's safer. Um, but there's so many things you can do with like Kleenex boxes and cardboard boxes and egg cartons. We've done so many things like that. Like Pinterest is the best resource on the planet for DIY, like crafts and art supplies. Well, I love the shop your own recycle bin idea. I am not creative at all. I'm so not artistic, but thanks to COVID and being home with my children for 11 months and counting, I have gone to Pinterest. I have made the puppets out of toilet paper rolls and (laughs) I have cut that box, that big Amazon box up into a rocket ship for my kids. And so you're right, Pinterest and recyclables, they just go together so well when it comes to art projects. I will say in my own house, I am so ruthless. My kids will make stuff with all these manipulatives, the pipe cleaners, the googly eyes. When they're done, when they've decided they have not only finished creating, but also are finished enjoying the piece, like they don't they don't want it anymore. I will take those things and <laughs> put them in a bag and reuse them for their next creative endeavor. I uh, am really passionate about this. When I know, I know what my listeners are going to write to me and say, you're terrible. You are ripping up your kids' art projects. But yes, I am. Why not? When it comes to art, the joy is in the creation for kids. And so I really believe that instead of going out and buying more pipe cleaners, you just can recreate the joy by reusing the in this case the pipe cleaner so i'm really i'm really a stickler on that in my house and my children i must say i do not think they're deprived and i do not think that they think i'm the meanest mom on the planet i would love now to switch on over maybe give taylor a chance to (laughs) chat i know she's been with diapers since the beginning something that really resonated with me that I saw on Diaper's website is that the diaper team, you know you're not perfect. Nobody's perfect. You know you're not solving every environmental problem, but still you continue every day to wake up and try. And so Taylor, this question's for you. Why do you think it's important not only for companies and not only parents and not only listeners listening to the show right now, but why do you think It's important that everybody continues to try, even though none of us will ever be environmentally perfect. I think that education is number one. If you ask five of your mom friends how much plastic is in their diapers, they would probably have no idea there's even plastic in diapers. And so, I mean, as Sergio always says, the happiest day in a parent's life is when they're no longer using diapers. Um, And obviously, that is going to be the most sustainable option. But, you know, we often and every single day, we strive to make the next best thing. And so that's obviously why we offered um, the end-of-life solution composting through our re-diaper service. I think that if more parents were more educated on the topic and the topic of waste in general, if we had, if we took field trips to landfills and saw, you know, what, what's in a landfill. And it's funny because I'm actually speaking in our landfill themed conference room. So I'm looking at a big screen uh, picture of the landfill and it's just, it's crazy how much waste we go through. So I think that awareness and education is number one, but it really just takes the little things. If we all stepped up today and and did a couple little different things to reduce and reuse and recycle, then I think that that would make a huge difference. Mm 
So that brings me to my final question then, which is, you know, listeners write to me a lot and overwhelmingly I hear from them that they'd like to be more eco-conscious in their, and not only in their, you know, everyday lives, but more specifically in their purchases. But oftentimes the eco-friendly option, the truly not greenwashed option is more expensive. So are diaper diapers more expensive than their conventional counterparts? And is there a fee to use your re-diaper composting service? Yes. So to start with the second question, there is a fee. Unfortunately, the shipping and processing and sorting of the diapers and composting does take a lot of money. And this is just for everybody listening. We do lose a lot of money per person that signs up for this. So we are not making any type of money on this. As far as the price comparison, um, it's actually crazy because you would think that we are the most expensive diaper on the market. That is completely false. Everybody compares their diapers on a price per diaper option. So right now, our diapers, they are actually the least expensive on the market. We also do have the SOS option, which is super neat. So if you are in a pinch or you're, you're, it seems like you're running out, you know, some months you use diapers, more diapers than others, then we do offer an SOS feature. Basically, you click a button on the app or you send us an email and we send you out a free pack of diapers that's on us to, to get you through the month. Well, Stace, I'll give you the final question. Where can my listeners learn more about diaper and re-diaper and your SOS program and all the other things that diaper is doing? Oh, yeah. So um, go to diaper.com. It's D-Y-P-E-R.com. And you'll, you can read all about it. And then also on social media, specifically our Instagram is called get diaper, get dot diaper. And we have a pretty engaging space there as well. Um, and we post, you know, education and tips and things like about re-diaper and, and all that. Well, Stace and Taylor, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. This was an awesome conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. That was awesome. I so hope you enjoyed that chat with Stace Dixon and Taylor Shear. I have linked to Diaper. I have linked to some of the resources we chatted about in this week's episode in this week's show notes, which you can find at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 174. On next week's show, we are talking about sustainable consumption. What on earth does it mean to be a sustainable consumer? And what are some ways in which you and I can be sustainable consumers in our purchasing decisions and not get derailed by greenwashing? That's what we're talking about next week. I will see you then. Have an amazing week. Reach out to me if you have a question, comment, concern. Email is in this week's show notes. Social media is always there for you. I love hearing from you and take care.